Yeah, you, what was that, Dan? You, you say that sentence all over again. Remember yesterday when you were making fun of me? Because which I didn't have. <laughs> which, which, which time? Right? Which day? Which day would the that very, be? The very beginning of the podcast when I didn't have my computers plugged into the, the right. wall. Right. And you were making fun of me. Mm-hmm. So that I wouldn't, my computers wouldn't go down because there was no battery and, you know. Sure. And then right. what ended up happening, huh? Then what ended up happening? Mm-hmm. For our viewers on Facebook, we uh, we lost the feed because Howard's mm-hmm. computer went because the battery was that is actually that's you know that i guess is that coincidence or is that irony well i guess because you were making fun of me for it it would be irony wouldn't it yes i think that 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 would be ironic that would be coincidental oh yeah okay uh, See what, just, it costs, what it costs you when you make fun of me. <laughs> something so. it could have been just a simple coincidence turns into something. No, that's listen, I love. Listen, I love this new bit. I love this bit. <laughs> yeah, but, great. What about the? But the, you know, Dan. Yeah, yeah. But then there's always the aspect of the running count, and uh, the show ended brilliantly yesterday with Howard and I in the midst of a conversation. Very um, oh, that's right. emphatic, <laughs> and then all of a sudden we notice you drift away visually, right? and your response when we called you on it was, oh, I was looking at some lights, which was... <laughs> yeah. when, when you left... I, I mean, really, it, so Dan Duran, because, you know, we off, as we... Where'd you go there, Fred? Okay, hang on a second. Did everybody go away? No, we're fine. We're uh, we're good. Can you hear us? Yeah, that was weird. Um, it says your default microphone has changed. Okay, so, so here we are talking about things screwing up, and let me just something just happened. It just happened spontaneously again. Can you guys hear me? Okay, go ahead and talk. Hello. Good morning. Testing one, two, three. Testing. Now, that whole, I, I, there was all of a sudden something just happened. <laughs> it's so funny. Something we're all like, hey, we're, everything's working. Everything's great now. And then, uh, I don't know, all something happened. All right. Anyway, we were talking about you losing interest in our conversation. And then right. I missed everything. You said, and the re- and then the response was, "Oh, I was looking at some lights." <laughs> yeah, no. When you left us, Dan, because uh, what happens after the show is Fred and I and Dan talk for a couple seconds, and Dan goes off with and, and does paperwork or whatever. But I did an impression of you, the way you looked up to the right. So I said to Fred, <laughs> I said, "What made me laugh most is that we're there, we're ranting, we're making all these points, and I really wasn't looking at the screen." And then I looked up at you, and you were just doing this, looking up to the right. And I've seen that look before, where it's like you just drift away, doing some Dan Duran calculations, <laughs> and it uh, it was a highlight for me, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, and um, pros such as us. We're intimidated by that because then we we can't help but think: Is that what all the audience is doing? 
as we're making these great points emphatically. <laughs> That's right. There's the whole right. audience out there just sort of drifting away, <laughs> looking up at the ceiling. That's right. Looking Pe- at lights and trinkets and things. Everybody listening to us is actually Dan Duran's representing the people looking up to the right, wondering if uh, this thing is ever going to end. Anyway, Dan, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, there's still some things in this machine that are definitely... I need to learn because I, I just touched something and it switched everything off and, and you guys, I couldn't hear you. But I won't touch anything again today except for this thing that is on my computer that will help us once again start another Humble and Fred show. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from our state-of-the-art Humble and Fred studio in Toronto, from our well-equipped Frampton facility with a sports portal, and from Lisa's dining room table next to a trendy black stick vase. And is brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Shapers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and our newest sponsor, Lender's Choice Mortgages. And now here are two men who, again, didn't get an Oscar nomination for their dramatic performances as old guys who sit around and watch movies. It's the forever snubbed Humble and Fred. Ja, man, ja. That's true. Um, Freddie and I were just talking about uh, the Oscars before you uh, joined us. Uh, Not that we're going to spend a lot of time on it today, but we'll spend some time. Tony Clement joins us. We'll talk a little bit of uh, politics. I got a couple of questions lined up for Tony, some things I'm curious about. Tony's got perspective that most of us, you know, haven't ever been in those kind of meetings or those kind of rooms, and he's been uh, at the highest level of Canadian politics, has interacted with U.S. politicians and around the world, so a global perspective will be had on this program today. And uh, Jay Bondi in for the Sherpa coming off the bench. Some great bench strength there with the retirement Sherpa. And we'll be talking about uh, all kind of things, including goal setting. Did you get that email I sent you? The what? The email I sent you. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. Fantastic. I got it. Um, Yeah, with Tony. As I mentioned yesterday, I want to ask him about the whole AI... um, angle and like that's got to be part of strategy now it's got to be part of what they're thinking about like how, like how do you deal with that as it comes along i mean you have to be prepared because it's coming and secondly and i don't know if this is fair but pierre poliev like a distinct defined statement on on donald trump but <laughs> I'm thinking that's not necessarily fair because even Trudeau, you got to watch what you say if you're going to be dealing with the guy. And I understand that aspect. So maybe it's sort of naive to think he's going to come out and say, I think Donald Trump's an asshole. They're never going to do that because they can't. Well, let's save up uh, some of this stuff. I saw mm-hmm. Trudeau made a statement last night actually talking about, you know, what Canada's strategy is going to be dealing with a potential return mm-hmm. of Donald Trump. Uh, but we'll get yeah, to all you're that. right. Yeah, we'll save that off. Off the top, though, we should acknowledge the birthday boy. Thank you, uh, Howard's uh, birthday today. I believe it's 64. So you can play the Beatles uh, "When I'm 64" song as well, people do when they turn 64. It's funny you say that because I've you, been I've been th- singing it in my head since I woke up. Uh huh. But I did want to play something else for you this morning. Just bring a little nostalgia. Dan, did you know it was my birthday? 
You seem stunned by yes, that I statement. Did, did, no, no, I, I'm just, uh, that's my normal look, apparently. So. <laughs> How that is looking away. Is there uh, any significance to the, you know, January 24 in 24? I, I, don't, I don't really know. Um, but thank you for your well wishes. Uh, but I do 24 wanna... slash 20. Well, do you feel any different than you did in 1924? <laughs> That's just what I meant. <laughs> I don't. Um, but I did want to play something for you guys that brings a, it, it was, a, it's nostalgic for me because it was part of our childhood. Remember Bimbo, the birthday clown? Uh, is what I thought of this morning that I wonder if Bimbo the birthday clown would recognize me on this 64th birthday. Well, let me ask you two, Dan. You turned 64 about 15 years ago, but Fred, this happened just recently for you. Did it have any significance turning 64 because of the Beatles song? Uh, because of being, I don't know, it seems uh, yeah. it did. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, not very deep, but just, you know, from 1967, I was 11 years old. That song has been a thing. And, you know, I when I first heard that song, someone 64 was an old, old, old man. And it was sort of a quirky, neat song. Yeah. And it just lived on and lived on. And whenever anybody became 64, you heard it. And then, bingo, all of a sudden, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? How it, did that it happen? It is a bittersweet thing because of that. Because we've I've known this song. We, as you mentioned, we all have been listening to it for a long time. Two, three, would you? But there's a part of this song. I don't even know what they call it, the bridge or whatever. But later in the song, he says sort of melancholingly, he said, you'll be older, too to his mm-hmm. whoever he's singing this to and yeah. I thought of that this morning it's like well yeah it's not just I'm 64 everyone around me has gotten older too you know sure. Dan uh, is about to turn 80 you're uh, 67 <laughs> you and I have been working together Fred since I was 29 Dan and I have known each other since I was 18 years old that's mm-hmm. a long time you know, the fact is, we've all lived this uh, these uh, past years together, and uh, chances are we're going to know each other until the very end. Yeah, I wonder, and I and I, this isn't a joke because I often think about it. You know, my close circle, who's going to be the first to go, and what's what's that going to be like? I think about it all the time, <laughs> and I've been it's been intense. And I know you want to talk about this later. Watching Band of Brothers. You know, the close relationship that those soldiers, in a short amount of time, the bond that they create, and then to have somebody that you care so much about go. It's like, how do you deal with that? I've thought of that in... You know, the older you get, the more you can understand. You get in your 80s and everything, your buddy dies. It's like good long life. But in this sort of window we're in... I've thought about it in terms of you guys, because... You're older than me. My brothers are older than me. And I thought about it because I was with my middle brother, Steve, Edmonton Steve, a couple weeks ago at the Ruby Festival. And I thought, you know, just if if statistics bear out and we all live a good long life into our 80s, I'll be going to their funerals. And how odd that will be. be. I'll be going to, again, if nobody goes, you know, 
for some, you know, uh, early, you know what we're saying, some kind of disease that sneaks up. The thing is, Dan, who seems timeless, who never ages, Dan will probably outlive all of us because he has such a simple approach to life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, I, I suppose that's true within a, within a family structure uh, that you think that the people, that they should die in order. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <You know>? Die <laughs> yeah, in order of, right. of, of being sure. born, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which I guess is, you know, which is, which is so devastating when a, when a parent loses a child because it's, uh, it's not supposed mm. to happen that way, right? Can't imagine. Can't imagine. Don't well, like yeah, that's that. that's beyond my. I can't. I don't even like to speculate about that. It makes. I get a physical. I get physically. I feel something inside, like a physical reaction to it. But anyway, mm-hmm. thank you very much. I got a lot of well wishes already from our Hundy Peas. Uh, I got one here. I thought you guys would find kind of funny from uh, our radio friend uh, Mike Hannafin, who says. Uh, Hi guys. He says, happy birthday. My birthday wish for you, a technical issue-free show. No battery issues, no Zoom issues, no laptop issues, no new board issues, no microphone issues, etc. Hopefully I haven't jinxed you. Yeah. Already we've had a problem, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. That's that's okay. Hopefully not another one. Um, you know the the age thing too, and we've talked about this. The way it, what's the term? Snowballs. The older you get, the quicker it goes. It's unbelievable. Yesterday, I'm in this uh, pet food store just down the road here. You know, I've lived in this community now for forty years. Crazy. Um, I went into this pet store to buy some little treats for Dougie. And I'm talking to the girl. Delise and I are talking to the girl. And um, she said, you know, are you in our system? And then she puts in our numbers. We weren't. And then I said, you know, it's ironic. I'm standing in this store. My daughter worked here as a teenager. And Delise goes, oh, I forgot about that. But Melanie had to be 15 or 16 years old when she worked in that very pet store. It was a, I don't know if it was a pet value at the time. doesn't matter. But Doll forgot about it. I remembered. And then I thought, Mel's 41 now. And it just seems like yesterday I'd, I'd drive up in front of this thing and drop her off and she'd walk inside. Mm-hmm. And that's, what, how many years ago? It's like 25 years ago. Bing, blink of an eye. Well, and back at the time when you're that age, 25 years ago, you don't have enough life to really appreciate how quickly it goes as you get older. If I'm explaining, no, it you are, and, and you know, I always yeah. talk about the first time I met. I was at Mel's, not the first time I met her. One of the yeah. first times I met your daughter, Melanie, was at mm-hmm. her was at her seventh birthday party. Uh, you know, I was just a couple of weeks mm-hmm. after I'd been to town. We were. Yeah. You, I, I guess I had. You're like, hey, he's got nothing to do. <laughs> maybe, maybe he wants to come to this kid's birthday party. But to mm-hmm. your but to your point about how fast time goes, time passages. So I mm-hmm. one of the things I thought of this morning, turning sixty four, is again if everything works out statistically, that would give me twenty years to go because my my dad, yeah. a lot of dads, a lot mm-hmm. of people go at eighty four, and I thought how quickly I was how how quickly ago it seems that I was forty four and what was going on in our lives when I was forty four. You were 47. We were working at the mix. 
I know, mm-hmm. bad memory. But but it was early in the, at the mix. We had just gotten there, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I had a couple of younger kids. Both of my kids were seven, or sorry, Charlie would have been nine, and Spencer would have been six. And and then I thought of and and you bring this up all the time. It's just about if if that twenty years has gone that fast, mm. what about the next twenty years? Well, don't you have a theory about about why time passes slower when you're younger? About having a, having to do with everything that's new at the time Absolutely. and now when you're older. I do. Yeah. <clears throat> when you're when you're yeah. slotted into your same house for a long time, it all just sort of molds together, and it doesn't yep. seem mm-hmm. like. Yeah. You know, it's the thing about how that's why going on trips and meeting new people and it, it helps to slow time down because it's not your regular routine. I always say the, the reason that the first time you drive to somebody's house always seems to take longer than the fourth or fifth time, because by that time, you're not really noticing everything. You've stopped. Yes, in the past. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, in the past, you have articulated that quite well and i i think it's like you don't have as much reference or something and then that makes time seem longer like we've often talked about the five years in high school seemed like an eternity it really did think about that those five years well you're in high school it feels like it's never going to end and at the end of those five years it's like wow okay i'm finally through that just think about how quickly the last five years have gone like from 64 to 59 like Blink of an eye. We've we've been doing this show almost three high school lives. Yeah, no, I get it. And you know, and you, you brought weird. this you brought this up the other day, and I said, well, one of the things about high school is that you're only fourteen or fifteen when yeah. you started. So five years at fourteen is one third of your life. Five years mm-hmm. at our age is like it's like takes like taking a dump. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but that's the other thing about perspective. Yeah. And I used to say this to my kids all the time. I'm not, you know, older people aren't any smarter. We just have some perspective. The problem, though, with perspective, it comes from experience. And the reason that experience makes things go faster is because it's almost like you've seen it all. You know, a lot of things in older people's lives just become routine. And to Dan's, uh, you know, to your point about this long-held theory of mine is that uh yeah age gives you wisdom and it gives gives you perspective but it also gives you the feeling that you've seen this movie before mm-hmm. yeah you know perspective that's huge too because the, the older you get too, things that may come along be it you know personal family crisis problems whatever as you get older, you you know, your perspective is different. I've seen this before. I know how to deal with it. When you're young, it's the first time, and it seems like the end of the world, right? And that happens throughout your life. Um, I've been reading this book on, uh, speaking of the word perspective, on perspective, and uh, it's actually called Self-Compassion. Be kind to, your, to yourself. I saw this book, and I thought, that's interesting, and I started leafing through it. And a lot of it's pers- perspective, like... You know, just and, and again, the older you get, the way you can look at things differently because you now have a reference point to it. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and anyway, so turning sixty-four, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's that significant. I was starting to think about. I know you guys have had. We've had this conversation. I can't remember if it was on the show or not about mm-hmm. starting to collect CPP and 
and things like that. But I, as far as becoming a senior citizen, that's another thing I thought of this morning because I've been pretending to be a senior citizen at the movies for some time now. But mm-hmm. actually, be, but actually becoming a senior citizen, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem. I don't. I don't know that. I, I think the the biggest the birthday that freaked me out the most wasn't sixty, wasn't forty. I think it was fifty. That one seemed to throw me off kilter more than any of these birthdays. So I turning 60 didn't bug me and turning 64. Yeah, it's sweet. It's nice. You know, it's a different number. I feel great. You know, I've been, I'm probably in better health now at 50, at 64 than I, I definitely am than I, than I was at, at 54. But even since I turned 60, I'm in better shape. I, you know, I know what my, this heart thing that's been bugging me my whole life is under control. And for the most part, we're pretty lucky. I am. I feel very lucky that, you know, it's not just what you have. It's what you don't have at this age. You know, I got some aches and pains, but well, I don't have a major form of cancer that I'm fighting. You guys aren't. It, and most of my peer group, including you two, are not seriously ill with anything. I mean, other than Dan's exceptionally bored with his program, <laughs> except, except for that. But, but the problem is with that, Howard, is it's coming. Like in our 50s, if somebody gets you know terminally ill or something it's like it's horrible like oh my god it's but you've got to accept that as you drift into your 70s and push towards 80 those things are going to come along just because they do <laughs> oh yeah it's part it's now part of the landscape which i think 70 is going to bother me a bit because chances are very good i'll die in my 80s and it'll just be weird to think that now the first number is a seven the next number is going to be an eight and uh you know, you know that whole bucket list thing starts playing in your mind, which it has with me recently too. It's like, yeah, you hear a bucket list and you think, oh fuck, what's that all about? And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, maybe I should sort of take stock and exactly what I want to do while I'm healthy. Mm-hmm. Because have you look got how, a look out? Look at look how long, fast the last thirteen years have gone. Well, that happens again. I'm in my eighties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have, you got, have you got your list, though? Have you got a list? No, I haven't. No. 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 Well, let's start making no. one. Yeah, maybe I should. Maybe yeah, I, I don't. Should. Uh, I, I know, Jimmy. I mean, I, we could, you know, I know. We're, we're, we're more, uh, what is that word? Reflective, ruminate. We, mm. the, the, like, I do admire this about Daniel. Many Of the many things I admire about my friend Dan is that Dan... Dan's like a uh, like a basset hound. Is that he just he's always he doesn't reflect. He's in the now, you know. I mean, and I mean that. Like you, you don't really you're not you don't think about turning eighty or seventy. Well, you're going to be seventy, and what you're you're about to turn uh, sixty six. Yes, yes. And and you know you don't really reflect too much on the past, and you don't seem to worry too much about the future. And, and maybe that's the way to go. You know, maybe we should start a whole like "be like Dan" movement. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe well. it's the, maybe it's the fact that you got a giant hammer. Is everything is just okay? Mm-hmm. You know, Fred and no. I have got small hammer problems. <laughs> <laughs> That's our problem. You know. Um, yes, I agree. I mean, that whole you know that whole thing about living in the moment that's huge but at the same time it's got to be shrouded with responsibility you can't just take everything and throw it to the wind you know what i mean you that's have to, you have to do what you have to do but if you can master you know if all your ducks are 
in a row and if you can master at any given time living in the moment, that's great. And I mean, you do, you try to do that or you attempt to do that or you do do that through meditation and whatever, whatever it is, whatever it takes, but it's not easy to do, to do. Well, the ruminating comes in, right? So mm-hmm. that's what you're going to not do. Is yes. Cycle the cycle, those thoughts, those negative thoughts or whatever, you know, it, try not to do one of the somebody sent me a note. Our friend Keith Weiland sent me a note the other day uh, asking me about my weed use and how I felt since I don't smoke weed anymore. And, you know, he asked me if, if there were some benefits. And, I, and the one benefit that I think that I just just real, realized is that it has stopped me from ruminating as much. Because I would get high, which was great and all fun and giggly and laughing. And then there would be periods of overthinking. There's only two types of people. There are underthinkers and there are overthinkers. There's not like neutral thinkers. So either you're an underthinker or an overthinker. Unless you train yourself that way, which some people can do. But 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 so it, ta- it takes work to so, be in that slot. Absolutely. In the so, middle. so being yeah. an overthinker. Well, there is, I don't see. Mm-hmm. I don't think there is any middle ground. But being an overthinker, mm. trying to be less of an overthinker is where I'm trying. I'm heading and and cutting mm-hmm. back on weed these last fifteen months has definitely helped that. I think. I realized that the other day that I'm just not going. I just I just don't allow myself to go through continual negative cycles of thinking as much as I once did. Well, what does that come from? Paranoia? <laughs> Maybe. No, no, because whenever I smoked pot, I got paranoid. That's why oh. I didn't smoke it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, maybe it's not it's not necessarily paranoid like, oh my god, what's in what's but it's all it's like with weed for me, two things would happen. I would write a, I write a lot of stand up. I wrote a lot of jokes, but I would also which led me to like thinking about these things we're talking about, thinking about your life and thinking about what's going to happen and then what will I when will I get out of this, you know, on and on and on. Whereas I find with Daniel sometimes to a fault Daniel has no, uh, doesn't seem to have any of that. <laughs> Duh. You know, just seems to exist. Well, the power of I now. I think that's, that's, that's true of probably about everybody. But, you know, in general, uh, I mean, it depends on the subject matter, the category, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're, you know, there's relationships and there's, you know, finances and whatever. And, they, and, they, and I'm sure all of us have different, different approaches to each one of those and, you know, worry about it's not like a blanket. I worry about every friggin' thing. It's like this area is fine, but this area is not. I think, you know, it's difficult to put like someone in a category and that person's always like that. No, you're right. Yeah. And sometimes people who who give that impression are just bottled up, too. They're a ticking time bomb. Oh, maybe I'll explode. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying there's there are. That's what I said no, that the other day. Dan's is going to blow up one day. <laughs> no, there's the people do a good job of, you know, not displaying it yet. Within they could be, you know, just just full of anxiety and stress within. Yeah, what is that thing the 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 duck analogy? It's like you're you're calm on the surface, but you're churning underneath. Uh, just a couple other mm-hmm. quick things about birthdays. I've noticed. And I've brought this up a couple of years ago, but I, I you know, I, I, I I'm on this golf chat, and there's a bunch of guys there, and they're just wishing everybody happy birthday. 
and it's my turn today. And I just over there, and a few guys have wished me happy birthday, which is great. But mm-hmm. um, because of the advent of texting and messaging, this started a couple of years ago, but I noticed it's continued now where people don't even write up the whole phrase happy birthday anymore. Have you seen this where they'll write HBD? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like, that really sums up like what is what are what are the what's the least amount of effort I can put into this greeting? Is there less of an effort you can give somebody than HBD? I, that's that's it. That's the minimum entry level greeting for someone's birthday. It's because yeah. apparently happy birthday. Is too many. It's too many. Too many letters for most people nowadays. I'm too busy for the entire word. Yeah, yeah. You could shorten it to HB though, because you know birthday's one word, so it could be HB. That's, you know what? That is a very good point. If you that's that is actually what how less you could do. HB. <laughs> Happy birthday. Very good point, right. Daniel. All so right. Howard, next year, I took my CPP and my. Old age security, whatever that stuff is, right at 65. Didn't really have to, but I did. You know, you talk to your money people and they say, you know, defer it. And then you get more as each year goes along. And then others go, take it now. You never know. You might, hey, you know, you have a heart issue or whatever. You could die tomorrow. Um, It's taxable, though, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's taxable. But there's also some, when you hit 65, there's some, you get some tax advantages as well. But, um, it's nice all of a sudden every month. It's just because I even forget about it every so often. I'll look at the bank account and go, what? Why is it there? Oh, right. I forgot. It's that time of the month where they just drop that load of money in. Load. Yeah, I mean, it's a big load, is it? It's not a load, <laughs> but I mean, it's, hey, it's something. Yeah. Over a year, it pays for something. Yeah, well, that's something I, I was going to talk to you guys about because I, I don't, I'm not going to take it until next year at the minimum, but what it does Whatever it is, another eight hundred dollars a month or whatever does tax. There is a there is going to be a tax disadvantage. So in the end, how much are you actually getting from it? But then you think, well, it's something. You're always going to have to pay tax on it, yeah, and it's more than eight hundred dollars. Is it? <laughs> well, oh, yes. Maybe I'll have to speak to my uh, financial people. <laughs> Uh, Dan Duran's news part of the program today. Dan, did you get that story I sent you about uh, farting on an airplane? Farting on an airplane sounds awesome. Yes, I did. I get that, and uh, yeah, that's in this in this instance, uh, the airplane did not um, absorb the fart. Exactly. That's why one of Dan Duran's news stories today about a a plane that had to turn around because of flatulence. All right, uh, as well, Tony Clement in a few minutes' time, but let's uh, get to some business here on uh, this twenty uh, fourth of January, Frederick. Well, uh, you know, we're talking about age and slash health and what have you. So the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Hey, doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, 54, 44, 64, 74. If you're part of the Chamber of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, hey, you're covered, okay? You're covered. 
Uh, Take the time today. Go to chamberplan.ca. Get a free quote. Yeah, find out what it would cost for your small business to be part of this. Prescriptions, dental, uh, therapies, travel insurance, a mental health component, HR. Yes, human resources component available now. All under the umbrella. And believe me, you can buy in at uh, different levels as well, right? So... Again, maybe start slowly and then work your way up over the next few years because uh, they do a great job in holding the line on uh, on uh, premiums as well. They've done a very good job on that because small business, you have to know what your costs are going to be going forward. It's the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, chamberplan.ca. We've been talking about Boron One as a company, as an investment opportunity. We've learned uh, quite a bit the last year or so about Boron and the things that Boron is in. Talked about applications. And today I want to talk about all the things in your home, like from roofing materials to wallboard, paint, fiberglass, insulation, plastic bricks, pipes, wires. Boron helps to protect from mold. But more than that, we'd like you to consider Boron and finding out more about Boron 1 because, as I mentioned yesterday, it's really, really rare for a junior mining company to get to this stage of development that Boron 1 is at. One in a thousand gets to where they are. In the next three years, this could be an, a, a nice addition to your portfolio. And again, making no claims about stock prices or any uh, information other than have a look and find out what's going on with Boron and Boron1.com. Uh, just, I know we talked a little bit about, and I don't want to dwell on this band of brothers. Uh, it was, who brought it up? It was last week. Um, Michael Landsberg. Yeah, Landsberg. And I went back. I, I, unbeknownst to me, you started watching it too. And I realized I had seen it, but 20 years ago, and I've kind of gone through it again. I don't remember much of it. And I just, no. we talked briefly about how, uh, you know, when you're a 21-year-old kid in the 1940s, you, you volunteered, you wanted to go to war. It was part of the culture of society. And, you know, we could talk about that, like just how unusual, that would, how weird that feels now. These young men... They felt it. Did you, did you, there was a, an interesting thing at the beginning of the, of the series. They were talking about this, this idea of men wanting desperately to go fight the, the terrible Germans overseas. There were three people from this town where some of these guys came from that killed themselves because they were uh, deemed 4F or whatever, they, un, unfit for, for a duty. They mm-hmm. wanted so badly to go to war, they killed themselves out of, out of uh, whatever, because they couldn't go. Yeah, I've been reading quite a bit about the Second World War since um, starting to watch that. Like here in Canada, conscription, I think it started at 19, right? And, you know, I'm reading stories about... Some kids lied about their age, which was they didn't want that because it was a disservice because, you know, lives were on the line. And did you really want a kid, you know, a 17 year old lying about his age and then going over there and still really being a child who claimed to be a man? 
And that was an interesting aspect as all. Well. So it, a lot of guys did lie about their age. You could pull it off back then, but it, it was something they really didn't want her, even in a situation need, but a lot of kids did it. Um, but ju- just think about that. You know, it's like my grandfather in the first world war was 17, but there it, it was willy nilly back yeah. then. It was, they would have taken a 12 year old in the, well, I'm in trying the first to, world war. I'm trying to think what age my dad would have been in 1943 or whenever he went over, but probably 20 or 21. Yeah. Well, my dad was 20 on the day that the the Germans surrendered, I think August 15th, 1945. Well, I know, I can do the math. So my yeah. dad was 38 years older than me, so in 1945, he that would have been 15 years, so he would have been 23 in 1945. So, yeah, 21. Anyway, the point is, they're all young. They were all kids. They're 20 and 21-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And, and I was telling you, so you finished the series. And, and it's well worth if you. I know, it's a 20-year-old mm-hmm. series. And it's well done. And it was Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. And it's well shot and all, all that stuff. But I just watched episodes six and seven over the last couple of nights. And both of these episodes take place in January of 1945. So the year the war ended, but it's winter. And mm-hmm. these kids, they're all kids. There's a, they're just getting shot, blown up. Um, you know, there was one guy in the episode I watched last night, his leg gets blown off. And, and these, the, the one episode, uh, episode six, the entire thing takes place basically at night with that medic, or I'm sorry, full on winter with that young, they follow the medic through you know, him trying to patch these kids up on the field. He's going around asking if anyone's got any bandages and morphine and all this stuff. And I kept thinking to myself that they got no food. They have no, they don't have any warm clothing. They got no gloves. The guy's getting trench foot. <laughs> I just thought there's no way I would have done that. I'm, I'm just telling you, there's no way I would have signed up for that. You say that, but. You know, I had conversations with my dad about that. Again, he turned 20. He was in Vernon, B.C., because the war was still going on in Japan. And, you know, ready to go. I mean, he was, I guess, uh, I forget. He joined at 19 when he could. But he wanted to go. He thought, you know why? Because everybody else had. And you've, you had this feeling that you needed to do your duty. If those guys did it, then I have a responsibility if I'm within this age group to do it as well. Yeah, yeah. And then as far as the numbers played out, you know, really in the end you luck out because your age with the end of the war was such that you got to avoid it. Um, but your dad didn't know that. He didn't know when he signed up or whatever. He didn't know in, in, in oh, Vernon. No, no, no. You know, it, no, when you, when, yeah, when you did it, you wanted to go because you wanted to do your part. Remember, these kids lived through the Depression too, Howard. Yeah. So they had a whole different perspective on life than our cushy little situations. Well, and, and I may, you know? listen, I'm, I'm, I'm arguing against yeah. myself because I also mm-hmm. said the, the, it was a culture where you signed up. I mean, I'm sure if I was, again, you wouldn't know any different. What I guess what I'm mm-hmm. relating to when I'm watching these kids suffering in this in these winter episodes where you know long periods of boredom broken up by having you know people shooting at you and blowing you up i just couldn't mm-hmm. i just thought you know i i couldn't i couldn't see myself doing that but i but you're right and if that was the, you know the culture of the time you didn't know any better and did you know some of these kids that signed up lied about their age or 
they did it because they looked at it almost as a job and a hot meal and some structure to their lives. Again, sure. they had come through the Depression, and a lot of them were desperately poor. Yeah. And to them, it was a thing, you know? And, and again, being a kid, you could never fully appreciate what you were getting yourself into until you were into it, right? No, exactly. Wow. Yeah, a different wow. time wow. And, and well mm-hmm. worth your, if you're interested in something. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was thinking, too, when I was watching it, I thought, I, I don't know where we're going to talk about this because this series is 20 years old. But that's typical of me, like... You know, my hair is 20 years old, my clothes, my shoes are all <laughs> oh my like, like 20 years out of date. Why not? Like, that's when I latch on to TV shows that are 20 years <laughs> old. Because right. this thing's been around for 20 years and I didn't like and I never really went to it. It's uh, yeah. And, and I listen, I've again, I saw it 20 years ago, but 20 years is a long mm, time. I didn't. And uh and it still stands up. It's well done. And apparently there is some talk about another, ver- uh, the, uh, an updated. Sorry, I was just sneezing. Uh, another version or a, another uh, series is coming out from the same people that did that series. Uh, a more updated uh, we can, su- subject as far as entertainment goes. We mentioned the Academy Awards and. Um... <laughs> Excuse me. Another, oh. yeah. I tried to stop sneezing. Um, I've seen a few of the nominated pictures. You know, I saw Barbie. I saw Oppenheimer. That's about it. I, I tried to start. I started watching Maestro or Maestro. Couldn't get through it. But I did. Do you ever end up seeing Oppenheimer? Yes, that's the only one I've seen. Although over the next few days, I plan on seeing the uh, Paul Giamatti one. It's called the holdovers. The holdovers, yes, because Looks I like him and yeah. I, I same thing. I hadn't heard of that movie. I didn't know that he was in it. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at the Academy Award nominations, and there he is for Actor of the Year. Uh, yeah, for the big one for that movie. And then I read what it's about, and I thought, oh, it sounds pretty cool. So. I, I won't. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to watch too many of these. There's a, there's a, I will go see. I'll see holdovers. I, I had no interest in. Um, I, actually, there's another one that I do want to see called American Fiction. That looks pretty interesting. But I won't be going to any movies for the next nine weeks. I don't think there is a. There is a. Uh, Julieta was telling me there is an actual movie theater in in the same little strip mall where the grocery store that I go to is. I've never, I don't know where it is exactly, but it's all in Spanish, which I think would be kind of interesting to see one of these movies in Spanish. Yeah, wouldn't that be good for you to go yeah, and absolutely. watch it? And see what you could get from it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although, mostly I'd have uh, to say. Yeah, the whole time you'd be sitting there with going, what did they say? What did they say? No, what I was going to say, say, most of the time I would have the same look that Dan has on his face when we start talking. Right. We just start to look up um, and be mesmerized. Wouldn't by it all. be good business down there to, even though the movies are in Spanish, to have English subtitles? I wonder whether they do to draw the, you know, That's American a good question. Canadians who winter down there into the movie theaters. Right? I, I would say in the bigger centers they might. But in the center mm-hmm. that I'm in, they don't because it really is small. And, and it would be mostly the, the majority of the population of this little village is, uh, is Spanish. So, but I will report back. Uh, let's get to uh, Tony Clement, who is standing by. 
Tony Clement. It seems like a long time since we've had Tony Clement on our show. Although I feel like I stay pretty up to date on what's going on with Tony Clement because I follow him on all the socials and we correspond from time to time. And there he is. Hey, um, Tony, are you back in Canada? Yes, I am, sir. You because you were weren't you just in Italy last week? Yeah, I was in Sicily with my son. We just did a father-son thing and uh, just uh, hung around Sicily, the southern part, and uh, did some uh, historical excursions and uh, hiked uh, Mount Etna, uh, the volcano, and uh, all that kind of stuff. It was cool. Oh, do you recommend Sicily? I would. Uh, I, I love Italy. Of, I was thinking of you guys with your podcast, you know. And uh, you mean aging with energy? Really, that podcast, award-winning podcast. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, no, I, I think it's a uh, uh, look. There's great food um, with the, you know Sicilian variation on Italian cuisine. Uh, lots of things to see and do. And uh, it was hey, it was 21 degrees versus minus 21, so yeah, okay. I was happy about that. You know. Yeah, nice moderate temperature there in the winter, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Like very definitely. comfortable for touring and hiking around, I've read, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think we had it I think we had it a bit lucky. It was about probably about 7 degrees warmer than it usually is in mid-January, but uh, I'm sure right. February February would be great there for sure. Well, let's, let uh, me ask you though, in Sicily, what was the pizza like? Yeah, it was uh, it was thicker crust. Yeah. Like it was, I wasn't deep dish, but it was. It definitely had a a puffy crust, uh-huh. uh, and uh, lots of uh, sort of veggies on it, and that kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and well, it's uh, good they, though. Yeah, lots of good, great pasta, al dente pasta. Love that, and and uh, also the fish. The Sicilians love. Their I love fish. my fish al dente yeah. as well. That's something I really enjoy. Uh, let's officially welcome to our program, uh, formerly the Assistant Prime Minister of Canada. As well, he has a uh, show called Boom or Bust. It's on TV. It's on TV. What? What is it? It's on uh, Bell, Rogers, Shaw, Telus, and Kojiko. How do we find that? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it depends what you got, but uh, but it's on a, a channel called the News Forum. Okay. And uh, and uh, my show's on every weeknight to seven p.m., ten p.m., and two a.m. Well, we'll right look on. forward to that. And uh, are you still doing uh, your podcast as well? Yeah, doing the podcast with Jody. Uh, we had Steve Pakin on the other day uh, uh, for a great interview with him, talking about the future of journalism and the future of politics and that kind of thing. And uh, Jody's in Florida at, uh, uh, you know, guys, uh, he's got this long drive thing that he's doing in Belleville. It's mm. just totally taken off. It's now part of the international long drive tour. So he's got a he's got a uh, a golf tournament that raises money for the local shelters. Yes, and he's got this international tour link to the long guide competition. Yeah, Isn't that the cool? Long drive competition. Yeah. Well, when that gets closer to the uh, the tournament, let us know. Uh, and it's yeah, yeah. And, and the podcast is called and another thing, and another thing podcast. That's <laughs> well, right, let's, sir. Let's get right to it. Yeah. When you said he was in Florida, I'm thinking, all oh, right, he's at Mar-a-Lago. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, of course. Drop it in. Yeah. Just drop the, it. Um, <laughs> the prime minister see was the on, Cheetos there. Yeah, <laughs> the prime minister was on the news last night. Uh, the prime minister of Canada, and I still Justin Trudeau. I know, I know, <laughs> I know that that annoys you, but it's he's, he still is. Okay, he is for a while, and he was talking about a he called it a Team Canada strategy. Uh, approach to dealing with the Americans should 
Donald Trump get reelected. Right. Kind of give us a little bit of a background on what 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 does that mean? And, and and I think we've talked to you about this before. Like what goes on in those meetings when you have to think when you're thinking about dealing with something in a, in an, an American sense. But in this particular case, what are they talking about? Looking forward to 2024 and a possible Trump redux. Right. So they they he invited to a cabinet meeting former uh, Canadian ambassadors to the U.S. to to brief the cabinet, which I thought was pretty smart, actually, uh, and uh, to go over, you know, what uh, what the lay of the land is in in the U.S., uh, you know, with uh, obviously there's a distinct possibility. It's not. It's not a slam dunk, but it's a, certainly a possibility that Trump will, will get elected again. And the you, you mentioned, uh, Howard, the Team Canada approach. So what that meant, uh, you know, eight years ago was that uh, Trudeau, uh, he relied on a, a wide range of advice, including former conservative cabinet ministers, my, my colleagues, uh, James Moore and Rana Ambrose, to... Uh, to give the government advice on how to do this and and, and how to deal with obviously when whenever Donald Trump is in power, <laughs> at least our our uh, our experience has been that uh, there's never a dull moment and uh, yeah. you can't really necessarily predict what will be happening and how it'll impact on Canadian values and interests. So uh, yeah, he's he's basically revving that up again. Well, yeah, and that seems smart. What I like about that is working together yeah for the for the betterment of all canadians that's like okay let's put politics aside now i'm going to pull these guys in let's put our heads together and how are we going to deal with that i mean i find that very refreshing because in the united states right now i mean they obviously can't work together right like the other day i this story like something biden wants to do with the border trump is telling you know, Congress or whatever, or this, whatever. You know, don't don't give this guy a win. It's it would be for the betterment of the country what they want to do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but don't well, do he, it because I don't want him to have a win this close to the election. And yeah, I think, isn't that horrible? Like, yeah, there, there's a deal in the Senate to be had apparently, and uh, that's right in the Senate, and, right? And uh, yeah, and Trump is is trying to put the kibosh on it. Let me let me say this about Trudeau, if I can, uh, because you're right, uh, you're right, uh, Fred. He on that particular aspect, uh, he's trying to make it as non political as possible in terms of our dealings with the U.S. and with Trump. On the political aspect, though, if I must have to say, for yes. the record, yes. uh, he's going to be running against Donald Trump in the next. Canadian election because he'd rather not run against Pierre Polyev. So everything's going to be about Trump, how Polyev is Trump and Trump this and Trump that. And he's done that before and he's going to try to do it again. I mean, you would listen, you're an FOP, a friend of Pierre's and uh, a FOP, and that's fine. I was going to bring you in to bring a little Polyev into all of this. And uh, I guess a couple quick things because I do want to circle back if we can say that. I want to come back to. The idea of a, a Trump, another Trump presidency against a background of all the nonsense. Where do you feel Pierre Polyev is in this cycle of pre-election? And when might there be another election? Well, I think uh, the planning that's being done by all the major parties is uh, for 2025. With an eye, though, there may be some, maybe something will trigger an election Can I worry later on in 2024. Thing? 
So, so that, that is a possibility. Okay. Uh, so you, you can't, you, you've got to like do a lot of fundraising fine. and candidate selection. All those things are happening now. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, looks like Trudeau, uh, has made it pretty clear. He, he doesn't want an election until 2025, uh, banking on the economy turning around, maybe interest rates and mortgage rates being lower, mm-hmm. a bit of a bounce in the economy. He wants that to filter through before he goes to the people again. And the thing about Polyev, or Polyev, um, yeah, those comparisons to Trump are going to be drawn. I mean, it's just an obvious strategy. So he may be put in the position where he's got to take a stand and uh, make a declaration on where he stands on American politics and Donald Trump. But as I was saying to Howard earlier, that can be dangerous because even Trudeau can't go too far because you got to deal with this guy. So you can't alienate him mm-hmm. by calling him the orange pig skunk that he is, right? Yeah, and uh, there is this uh, poll out that I don't know how valid it is that I think it was like, 30% of Canadians would vote for Donald Trump if they had the chance, which is yeah. higher than the number of people who would vote for Justin Trudeau. Uh, but uh, I think it, my advice to Pierre would be very simple is, uh, you know, not get don't don't get caught in that trap. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got to say, look, I, I'm here. You'll, you elect me and I'll look after Canadian interests with the U.S. and I'll look after Canadian interests yeah. with the world and just not not go down that route. And I've said this on your program uh, several times, guys, uh, you know, the, my own personal point of view is the most Trumpy guy in Canadian politics right now is Justin Trudeau, not Pierre Polyev. Because well, I was going to say, I think it's unfair. Well, I, well, I, I don't know if I'd agree, I, I would agree with you about that, but I do believe the the Polyev parallels to Trump is unfair. It's just it's just lazy and, and people mainly being stupid. But we did talk a little bit about that poll. Didn't we, Fred, that, uh, that well, the people yeah, the would poll, vote for no, the Trump? Well, yeah, the poll I saw that 57% of those who plan to vote conservative would prefer Donald Trump right. as president uh, to Joe Biden. But I think, Tony, what you just said begs for a little bit of an explanation because I know where you're going with that. Trump or Trudeau is like Trump. From what aspect do you mean? Well, he's a big divider. Uh, Fred, uh, yeah. he, he likes to divide uh, Canadians and to pit them against one another on various issues. Uh, he, he did that during the pandemic. He's he's done it uh, regionally. He's done it on on uh, other issues like bringing in American issues as if they're Canadian issues, like the issue of abortion, which is a settled issue in Canada, and yet. Uh, he all he wants to talk about sometimes is the abortion issue as if we're the United States. So he's 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 mm-hmm. he always likes pitting people against one another in a divide and conquer way. And I, I think that's the Trump playbook as well. Uh, again, I don't know that I agree with that, but uh, because I don't think any politician in North America is like Trump. I don't think. I mean, you, you know, yes, I know politically, theoretically, you can say that he's a great divider. But Trump is. You can have Trumpisms yeah, without being yeah, Trump. Or, or fair, he can, fair yeah. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, again, what I wanted to say to both of you today, and again, I've watched a lot of this as as the two of you have as well. I just every so often wake up and wonder: Is this? Did this really happen? Did did, did this? Did the guy that used to host the Apprentice? Did he really become the leading political candidate for the Republican Party? The, and, and, you know, we like to, Fred likes to call him the orange pig, and we like to point out that did a, did a convicted rapist really win the New Hampshire primary last night? Because there was a time, and you've heard me say this, Tony, there was a time when any of the things that Trump 
has done and is being charged with, that would be enough to sink any political career. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, on a broader, wider aspect of this, guys, uh, you know, obviously uh, politics in the United States uh, has changed a great deal. Uh, Faith in the post-World War II institutions is at a a, a record low, whether it's trusting the media or trusting government, uh, you know, trusting the electoral process, trusting the Supreme Court. All of those are at record lows. So there's not a lot of faith in the established, dare we say, elites of American politics. And uh, that erosion is something that that uh, Trump rides like on a crest. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, he wants to speak for the dispossessed or wants to speak for people who feel like the the swamp in in Washington, D.C. doesn't speak for them. And it's been very effective, and it looks like it's effective again. Yeah. I, one of the things I got to say about Biden is he has proved to be it's very he hasn't been able to take credit for his wins. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. has had wins, and I, I don't understand it. Uh, it. It's there for him to take. Uh, somehow, it's just not working for him. But speaking to the perfect storm for. Trump. You know, I saw exit polls out of Iowa, and it was the usual goobers like, oh, like, you know, the typical Trumper. I saw them in New Hampshire, and it's just what broke through is exactly what you just said. These were normal people where you would look at them and they were well spoken and well measured, and that's what it's all about. They want a political revolution. Yeah. They're sick of the way government works now. And listen, they don't like Donald Trump. They don't like what he says. But one thing he represents is this might be our chance to change this thing. And that's and and, and after seeing these people talk, I'm thinking, wow, now I'm starting to get it a little bit more what this is all about. And it's, it goes to exactly what you just said, Tony. And it's not just in the U.S., guys. Uh, There there are European elections coming up uh, in the U.K., but also the European-wide elections. And it looks like the the nationalists or or the whatever you want to call them, the the – Further right populist uh, candidates are are doing very well, and and they're going to uh, they're going to sweep into a lot of seats in the European Parliament. So this is uh, this is not just a trend in in the U.S. Well, picking up on what we what you both just said in terms of uh, low, all time low trust in government institutions, and Fred's uh, I saw the same thing you did last night, Fred. That New Hampshire. It's not Iowa. Higher uh, college educated, mm-hmm. um, more left leaning state. And yet he still triumphed, including, as you said, Freddie, people who hate the guy, but mm-hmm. see what Tony said as the main problem mm-hmm. in American political life, which I again, back to what you said to Tony about Biden, ironically, Things are better under Biden for the everyday average person. Yeah, people talk about Trump's economy, but as I said to Freddie yesterday, he added trillions of dollars to the debt, and the people that benefited under Trump are not the people voting for him. Yeah. Yeah, he's not your standard conservative, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, So, I I mean, I I think that's just, um, again, showing... uh, the, the general distra- distaste and distrust for established uh, political workings in Washington and uh, and how they're they're disconnected have been disconnected for decades now from what's happening in a lot of state not not every state if you're in California may, and yeah. New York maybe you, you find some affinity uh, but there's a, the the other forty eight states not so much. 
you know, Howard and I tend to be, both of us are sort of anxious guys, and we tend to lean into things more than the average person. You're a guy that's been through it, and you have a different perspective. Are we overreacting to this? Like, is the Donald Trump presidency going to be that freaking horrible? I mean, I hope it never happens. The mm-hmm. guy could die, to, you know, an hour from now, and I'd be happy. But... Mm-hmm. Um, do you think we're worrying too much? Or the fact is, why worry about an inevitability? Just deal with it. Well, uh, I think uh, there are, I think, pretty logical concerns. Like the, the our European allies are worried that, uh, that Trump is going to gut NATO somehow, uh, most likely by cutting off funding for Ukraine uh, and, uh, and then forcing a settlement, uh, there, uh, which will obviously encourage people who like Putin, who, who feel that that will be a win for them. Uh, so th- those are legitimate concerns, uh, based on, uh, you know, Trump's past record, uh, you know, on other issues, uh, I think on the I- Israel front, uh, I'll be honest with you. I think he'll be a better friend to Israel than Biden is right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's with or without Netanyahu, by the way. I, mm-hmm. I, I think Netanyahu is a spent force, uh, and it doesn't matter in that respect. But I, I think generally on Israel, he'll he'll be a, a stronger friend. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, on China, he, Trump is pretty. Uh, you know, Biden has been great on China, but Trump will be great on China too. So yeah. it, again, you have mm-hmm. to pick your issues here. Uh, right? Uh, who, who's to say? You know, it's funny that you went there, Fred, because I was going to say to Tony that there is a this is a very Buddhist philosophy. You know, I'm very I'm very evolved, Tony, as you know, but there's a Buddhist philosophy that everything by its very nature, everything that arises by its very Mm -hmm. nature, one day fades away. And this this wave of things that have arisen since 2015, 2016 will one day fade away. All three of us will know each other at the end of, if it happens, a Trump presidency. And I was going to ask basically a similar question is what will we will survive it. But then Mm -hmm. what will what will it do to U.S. politics? Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens post-Biden in the Democratic Party. I think that there's probably a, a lot of push for people like AOC and others that were, are, uh, shall we say, a lot more left-leaning than, than Biden is. Uh, and so I could see the Democratic Party veering much more to the left on, on some issues, much more towards socialism, I guess, is one way to put it. Uh, the Republican Party, very much in control of, of Trump forces does that continue? Does the next uh, uh, Republican nominee uh, four years from now want to be known as the, the successor to Trump or are they going to be the anti-Trump? Mm-hmm. That's that to me is an open question. Uh, you know, there are I talked to plenty of Republicans in the U.S. Uh, who claim that they are Reagan Republicans rather than Trump Republicans. Mm-hmm. That might scare some people, but yeah. actually that, that to me is, is <laughs> yeah. something that, uh, you know, I, I can I can least understand. Right. Sure. Uh, the for the forces at work there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we can predict the future, but uh, there's there's no doubt that uh, America has changed, uh, you know, that people that distrust of institutions, it's going to take yeah. a long time for that to be reversed. Uh, and, 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 so, and you can under and you can understand it. Yeah, I mean, nothing changes. I, like I get that end of it. It's just too bad. It's him that might bring that up. 
bring that about, but you can understand it. You know, we've talked about it. Guys like make 175,000 a year as a senator or whatever and leave multimillionaires. Yeah. Like, like how? Like, why aren't those questions answered? No wonder people are skeptical. No wonder people have a bad taste in their mouth. And, and, I, and by the way, I agree with you. It, the system is broken. Yeah. But as I said a second ago, the fact is mm-hmm. the guy, the, the people that would benefit from a change in the elite, the swamp, all whatever you want to call it. Trump uh, got elected on the idea that he was going to change those things, but he didn't change it for the people that elected him. The irony mm-hmm. is, and it's not coincidence, mm-hmm. it's irony, is that those people elected him and they were the ones at least ben- that benefited the least from his policies. Because they don't have another, uh, you know, um, advocate or savior, uh, if I may critique yeah. the Democratic Party for an, in- uh, for an instance. They have moved away from class politics where they were supposed to be the voice of the working class sure. and the voice of blue collar. They've moved way away from that, I would say, into woke politics uh, where you don't you're not defined by your class. You're defined by the color of your skin or, or mm-hmm. uh, some other measure. And they're off in that direction. And, and uh, the working class are going, we don't. You know, yeah. Trump is our advocate more than the Democratic Party is. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's a huge change. That, that skin color thing. I mean, Republicans are partial to orange. So why? <laughs> what's the big deal? That's right. That's um, this color. They, that's they, that's the one they're not prejudiced against. <laughs> uh, Tony, uh, again, you're you know you're close to Poliev, and you're on strategizing now for 2025, whenever that election may come. Will you have? Will you have like almost like an AI department, how you're going to deal with artificial intelligence? Because already it's affected Biden. There was an issue this week where they released the statement and it sounded like him and like it was a robocall. I mean, that this scares me more than anything else, because all the people out there are going to have no idea what to believe. And it's only going to get worse between now and you talk about 25. Yeah. I mean, you and you talked about it with the Toronto mayoralty election a little bit yeah. where there was a deep fake saw for. Uh, what uh, the congressman, uh, sorry, the, the the councilman Brad uh, Bradford, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, so yeah, it's already in uh, our politics. Uh, I think uh, all the political parties would be wise to have as part of their war room, you know, rapid response responses to, uh, you know, these kind of deep fakes that are that are going to be out there. By the way, uh, the one of the other things that we found, I think this was a Trump example. So there was a. a uh, some opponents of Trump, I guess, Democrat, and it was the Lincoln Project, had uh, spliced together this ad about with all of these things that Trump had actually said and how ridiculous it was. And Trump's response was, no, this is just a- AI. Yeah, exactly. You know, so and, everything is fake. And, yeah. and, and so AI becomes the plausible deniability. It's the new fake now. news, dude. It, it's, yeah. the, it's the, yes. it's the way For something to... you actually said now. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I know. It's but, crazy. But the funny thing is that I know it's going to not. That is funny. The, the apologists <laughs> for whatever. That's the thing that aggravates. I think both of us, Freddie and I is the hypocrisy and the apologists on his behalf. Like that thing he said about Nikki Haley the other day, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, she's the one that didn't want the, she was, that she was responsible for January 6th. So now there's this whole right wing media saying, oh, yeah, he said Nikki Haley, but I I think he was, they're they're actually literally, they don't, they don't criticize it. They explain it as though he did it on purpose. That's what I think we find aggravating is all the hypocrisy of, uh, you know, the gaslighting, whatever you want to say. 
because you, you know human nature is you believe what you you know you believe wait you believe what you want to hear yes and so much of that ai is going to be out there and people if you like trump and it works to his benefit you're just going to believe it you're not going to take the time to investigate confirmation bias yeah bang and that's and that's again what scares me about all of this but look uh you know uh, I think I should say, I mean, political advertising is always, uh, you know, always about saying the worst about the the other person. Uh, Negative advertising is around for a reason. It it does work as long as it has a grain of truth somewhere in there, uh, then it it, it can catch fire. So uh, but I think that uh, the the interesting thing about the U.S. election is going to be and what we're seeing with New Hampshire was that Trump's base is energized and they're going to they're going to show up. They're going to turn out. So what Biden's got to do and and he does have a strategy for this is obviously and it's worked in the midterm elections and the special elections uh, when Biden can turn on his base uh, to react to Trump. And, and they come out to vote, then uh, all the polls be damned. Uh, he, he has a path to victory. One last question. I saw a rep- I'm sorry. I, I just saw a, re- a Republican strategist talk about that yesterday where he says um, Trump's base has actually shrunk, but what's left is more passionate. Right. Interesting. And, that, and that's some light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Well, my question was going to be on a similar thing. And just as a last question before we have to start wrapping this up sadly but it's great, always great talking to you Tony Clement you sweet man I, and I say this with respect because you know I can be sometimes very vocal in my anti-religious you know vitriol but as a man of faith when you see the support that Donald Trump gets from evangelicals in fact almost some huge percentage of the support he garnered in Iowa was from a very evangelical base and so my question is, how do you, how do you just, not justify, how do you, as a, as a strategist that you've been, but as a person of faith, how do you, where do they justify their support for a guy who had an affair in his first wife with his second wife, et cetera, et cetera, porn stars, convicted rapist, go. So when you look at scripture, uh, as, an, as a Christian or an evangelical Christian in particular, uh, the Bible, the New Testament, all of it, Old Testament, New Testament, is full of people who are broken and imperfect, but are used as instruments of God's will. And so the, in their minds, yeah, Trump is a philanderer, yeah, Trump is a liar, yeah, but uh, he can be an instrument for uh, for God's will. Okay. Uh, Despite that, I, that that's how they. Ju- I'm not saying that's no, no. I, that I, makes that's, sense. That's a great no, answer. That's yep. a great answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, so, uh, against the, the background the of that, Paul, yeah. The Apostle Paul, before uh, his conversion on the road to Damascus, was a terrible, horrible tax collector who tortured and killed people uh, on behalf of the Romans. Mm-hmm. So, and then he saw the light, so to speak, and uh, and became a, a Jesus apostle. So, the the, the the Bible is littered with those stories. The Apostle Paul, he's saying when I'm 64, did he not? Yeah. Yes, that's that, right. That, 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 that was another a, Apostle. That was that. Apostle <laughs> John. It's Howie's birthday today there, uh, Tony. Hey, now. Mm-hmm. And it, well, it's thanks. my birthday on Saturday, Howie. Hey, hey my friend us. Tony. Happy birthday. And and mm-hmm. by the way, great answer. I appreciate that. Cause, yes. And, and, and if that is how they look at it, then it now explains how this convicted rapist 
can be their guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you're our guy, my friend. And, uh, hey, and happy, you're, you're my guys. Thanks, pal. Happy birthday to Tony Clement. The show is called Boom or Bust. Boom and, and Bust. Uh, boom. Boom and Bust. Boom and Pardon? Did you say boom, boom and bust? For a second there, I thought he said boob and bust. I'm like, what? Who's Tony up to? They're the same thing, boob and bust. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thanks, Tony. All the best to you. Thanks, guys. All the Thanks, best, buddy. Guys. Love you. See you, Tony. Right Bye. on. Do you know this song? Yeah. Jesus is just all right. Jesus is just all right by me. And listen, you know, that was a good answer. I guess that's how you justify it. Yeah. A lot of hate in that community, though. A lot of hate. A lot of hypocrisy, too, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I was going to say, I don't, I, I, when Tony talks like that, I go, okay, listen. Some people believe that that book is fairly, <laughs> say fairly significant. I'm not one and of you them. Know, no, I get it. No, I, same here. Like, to me, he says that, and I understand what he's saying, and that's a great explanation. I think it's all fucking bullshit. Yeah. I don't mean he's bullshit. I'm just saying that that way of thinking is just so biz- bizarre to me. But, you know, and again, as stuff comes along, you got to play, you know, as you said, you know, Trump, you know, the very people that he said he was going to help, ultimately, he did not help through his presidency. No. That's exact. But see, that's exactly the way I look at Trudeau. See, I didn't vote conservative in the last election. I voted green. I sort of throw my, I, I couldn't bring myself to vote for him, but I didn't vote cons- for cons- uh, conservative. And I thought. This is back when Trudeau, you know, the first election, to be honest, not the last one, because I really thought he was going to help the next generation. I really thought he was going to help those those people younger than us, the people behind us. And he hasn't. Not one little bit. He was a lot of he legalized marijuana. That was it. Other than that, you know, he, he doesn't address it. He doesn't he won't speak to it. And maybe it was impossible. It was just all bullshit, but he didn't do it. And he didn't deliver to the people he said he would, yeah, but like he, Trump. Yeah, which is great. And I, I don't know the, uh, the issues, uh, but I will say this. He wouldn't be the first politician to not oh, deliver. No, no, no. Yeah. To, yeah. You know, because remember, and, and we got to do a little business here, but I'll just say this. You know, there's an old saying in politics. You campaign on... Uh, you campaign on ideas and you uh, govern on whatever the other one is. I wish I knew. But you know what I mean? Lots no, of people. I know. Yeah, you can, on reality. On reality. So who knows, as you just said, who knows if it was even if it was even possible to make those changes. But, but uh, yeah, I want you and I to be the guys to call it in on both sides, though, because when I see it all one sided, I just it just bothers me. I think we are. Listen, I mean, no, I, I do, too. I do too. Um, you know, you impress me. Uh, you you have impressed me uh, with your. Uh, see, you're you're the you're a great example of somebody. Let me just get rid of this for a second. Somebody who's not dogmatic in his ideas, and I think I've learned from that because when Trudeau does something you agree with, mm-hmm. you'll say, "Hey, I think that was a good thing." Uh, and vice and not vice versa, but and, and you know, mm-hmm. and even at the beginning of the Trump presidency, 
after you and I ranted for a year, you even said, well, let's see what he can do. Now, he turned out mm-hmm. to be a fuckhead, <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. but at mm-hmm. least we were, and you, again, I learned from it, at least we were like open to the idea that there was going to be a possibility that he wasn't going to be a complete shit face. <laughs> right. So, no. one of yeah. the things, I, I, I wish you'd do this really quickly, but one of the things that Trudeau enacted that has now been seen as failed policy, uh, court has ruled that the federal government should not have used the Emergencies Act when it came to the Freedom Convoy. I can't, I can't stand calling it that. But the convoy thing no. mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. 2022. But at the time, both of us were on board mm-hmm. with that. Oh, yeah. Still am. <laughs> and I was going to say, I got, I got exactly. I don't, I don't know what the op- other options were, but Trudeau took that, that stand. And remember, you know, we're not people listening. We know it's not just Trudeau. It's a it's a it's a government. He's not making all these decisions. At least you know it's, no, of it's not just him. Of course, but when you are the PM, I mean, you're the guy. It's you know, yeah, know. the bucks, the old the buck stops here thing. Mm, right. The loony. Um, okay, let's. Uh, we got uh, Jay Bonney standing by. We got Dan Duran. We've got a uh, an interview uh, that we're going to get to uh, after nine o'clock. Uh, in the meantime, let's get to this, Frederick. Yeah, let's talk about Bodog, you know, whether you're a sports uh, better, right? Uh, horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room, to their fully loaded casino and racebook, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. That's what they've been doing. Uh, your Maple Leafs tonight play the Winnipeg Jets, one of the best teams in the National Hockey League, and I'll tell you, it's interesting. Uh, Maple Leafs the favorite in this game, minus 133. Mm. I guess because they're at home, but I I would take the Jets going away. Uh, that's Bodog. That's where I got those numbers. Okay, Bodog. Yeah, you're just going to be, you're just, for the rest of the year now, I could just see you. Whoever the Leafs are playing, you're going to take the other team. <laughs> No, if the Leafs enter that women's professional hockey league, then maybe I'll start picking them. Yeah, exactly. You know, they have a chance. They should. Maybe that's where they belong next year. One of the original 16. Not to take anything away from the professional women's hockey league. It's of great quality. But, is, it, um, is it really? <laughs> uh, I don't, somebody else was talking to me about that the other day. I was like, what? I, I, I had to have it explained to me. I didn't even know they were playing women's professional oh, yeah. hockey. I had no idea. Mm. Uh, but I do have an idea about this, my friend. Hey, hey, hang on. Let me get the right music. Coming off the bench again. Talk about bench strength. You got like a uh, future Hall of Famer. When you're the retirement Sherpa, take a little time because knowing you've got a guy in the bullpen that can come out and throw some heat. <laughs> Should I go on with my baseball analogy? Coming to the mound right now. Once again, pinch hitting and uh, hurling is a uh, our friend from from the retirement Sherpa from uh, Tim Niblett's uh, outfit there, Raymond James. Hey, Jay Bondi, how you doing? Howard, Fred, how are you guys this morning? Fantastic. Very good, Jay. Good to see you. 
Great to see you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you? I can't. I don't know this about you. I know you're a golf fan, but are you a uh, football fan at all? Were you? Uh Tuning into the yeah, I took, yeah, yeah. I got family that are heavily uh, split down the middle between uh, Chiefs and uh, Chiefs and Bills. So they, uh, the Bills, had another heartbreak. I'm a Bills guy. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. since the '90s and endured it all. And uh, I mean, it was a great game, no doubt. Yeah, it was but, a lot to uh, take in. But yeah, sad to see uh, the boys not come out on top. But uh, the 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 next round this coming weekend should be should be entertaining. Yeah, good games. Well, you're amongst, I was going to save this for Freddie, but since we were talking about it, that was the NFL, the, the most watched NFL division playoff game ever. The, the, the I, I don't doubt it. The, the saddest part of it was the, the commentator at the end saying wide right. I oh, mean, I for know. those of us, it was brutal. Uh, you know, in our 40s or older, they definitely have heard the wide right before, right? So, so uh so before we get to your numbers, check these numbers out. The Freddie, the uh, ratings for the Bills Chiefs, uh, it peaked at fifty six million. Peaked. Oh, that's wow. huge. Fifty six million, and uh, uh, they're yeah, it was it was up ten percent. Was the, they they averaged or on average was fifty point three million viewers. Wow, that's like one out of every six people saw that game in the U.S. And as Jay Man, said, it was excruciating. Yeah. At the end, it was excruciating. Um, you know, you talk about uh, divided down family lines. My grandson, Johnny Slapshot, he loves the Chiefs and he loves his Patrick Mahomes. And I sit there and I think, how do I change that? And then I thought, <laughs> I'm not going to worry about that. <laughs> um, let's talk some numbers with uh, Jay Bondi, uh, the retirement Sherpa, and uh, and the Sherpa's off on a on a vacay, and Jay's uh, pinch hitting here. So let's get right to it. You know, one of the things we talked about last time is uh, is you know I'm sorry I'm sorry from our last visit we were going to talk about some things this time. The S in Sherpa is all about what Jay. So the S in Sherpa is is something that we start uh, most of our client conversations off with and and we try to discover what what any new measurable important and for us really like what enjoyable you know short-term goals have changed in life and and then you know let's revisit some of the longer term ones because you know ultimately those short-term goals um, if they have significantly changed may also impact the bigger picture correct so um so yeah, but but setting them, understanding what those are for our clients is is, is a huge part of what we do because we can't you know navigate the road ahead without kind of knowing what the uh, what the obstacles in front of us uh, may be and 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 it's important for clients to set goals. Um, you know, goals can be set around you know the traditional ones like you know we set goals around our family every year. I want to spend more time visiting my parents once a month or twice a month if I can. I want to do. XYZ in my occupation. Um, I have recreational goals. I, I, I have a golf membership and I want to use it on, you know, two times a week. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then we, you know, we also have our financial or our money goals. And, and that's where we come into the picture for our clients is, you know, tell us what those those financial goals are and, and let us uh, let us work towards them. But we also like to, to be in touch on the other, uh, you know, the other family occupation recreation because sometimes and a lot of times they go hand in hand with one another. And those goals have to be smart. Yes. Right? Yeah. Smart. I mean, ultimately, a goal has to be specific. It, it needs to be measurable. Um, and, and by that, we mean, you know, the, the simple adage of, oh, I, 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 I'd like to retire at 65. Well, 
that's great. What is retirement going to look like for you at 65? Mm Because Tim and I joke often saying you could retire tomorrow. You just might not like the... uh, the retirement uh, experience along the, the way, you sort live of thing. Everyone right. can retire tomorrow. Um, you just may not like the way it is. But yes, ultimately, goals need to be smart. They need to be specific. They need to be measurable for us and, and, logical. and for everyone. They need to be attainable and they need to be very relevant and they need to have t- some time commitment to them. And we, just getting back to uh, the idea of how things like family, occupation, recreation, money, uh, you wouldn't think initially, uh, well, how, how would that be something to talk to my advisor or coach with? But but that those are the conversations because if you're guiding somebody, then you've got to know kind of where to point them. Isn't that kind of part of that conversation? So if somebody does want to have uh, a retirement at a certain age or they do want to spend more time doing something in the next year, that would inform you in terms of where you want to set sail or as so to speak, in terms of where you're going to put their money. Absolutely. I mean, for us, it it all goes back to having the plan. Uh, to begin with, that's why we don't, you know, we never introduce ourselves to a new client before we have the opportunity to review their existing plan. But the reality for us is, is everyone's plan changes, you know, not, you know, you don't just set a plan and forget it. You have a plan, which is, we find a lot of people don't have one to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, but let's have a plan. And mm-hmm. then let's, let's, you know, the purpose of our meeting, sure, we'll talk finance, we'll talk about rate of returns and, and, and how things are doing. But all that is only customized and relevant to the individual that we're sitting in front of, right? Uh, you know, your goal of, you know, someone's goal of, of eight or 9% that they need to retire or to have their goals achieved is someone's goal, but somebody else's might be three or 4% return. Uh, and those are two different things that ultimately will dictate how we manage your portfolio. But if we don't know those things and, and, we, and you don't know them as a, as a client, it's our job, really, to to work with you and, and, and have you understand the importance of goal setting, setting for yourselves, right? Yeah, and it's scary how many people put that off or are actually intimidated by it. But you really need that plan and you need the guidance because, you know, as Tim has explained over the years, too, I mean, there's power of attorney, there's wills, there's insurance, there's all these things that have to work together that you know, are part of your plan. So at some point, you got to get serious about your plan. And the big part is having one. And again, yeah. part of that is setting goals. Uh, you know, again, yeah. uh, the, the reality of, of all of that, uh, that planning is we know it's going to change. Uh, we know your life's going to change. We know mm-hmm. all those real things are going to happen. But if we cannot be afraid to set goals, because a lot of people don't set goals because they're afraid to fail. And that's why setting them, you know, to be attainable and, and climb a little step of the rung each yes. day or each month or each uh, each year is far more important than trying to get there in one big leap. Yeah, right? and a lot, of, people a lot of times that's when we do fail. A lot of people don't even want to have those conversations because they find them too uncomfortable because they start thinking mm-hmm. about the future, etc. And uh, listen, man. Uh, this was a great appearance, as always. J.Bondi at RaymondJames.ca. Uh, we'll check in with Jay for another week, a week from today. As always, uh, great catching up with you. And, uh, yeah, we were all watching the guy miss the freaking field goal. <laughs> like, yeah. I think he, he's got, he might plan? be reevaluating some of his goals. <laughs> oh, no, too, he is. Have, uh, he's definitely reevaluating. Maybe oh. maybe start to kick up the left uh, side field goal exactly. so that when it fades right, it hits the Play center the, as opposed hey, Jay, to starting yeah. it at the Jay. right and missing right. Play the cut. 
That's what we do. Play it. Oh, I know, I know, guys, because it's so easy to kick a football 44 yards in front of 80,000 people with a game on the line. Yes, very, it is. Very true. You and we both that could debate. do it. Too we easy. had that debate in, in, the, in the locker room uh, before my men's league game on Monday yeah. night. The guys were like, oh, look at, you know, guy gets paid to kick field goals. That's what he should do. I'm like, well, what about the hundred other plays that happened before that yeah. that could have no, changed right. the, the landscape yes. of the game, right? No. So, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like the goalie letting in that last goal, right? Yeah. It's always mm-hmm. the goalie's fault, but never the five players in front of him what from the, a hockey What about the three? It's always the Leaf about, goalie too. Yeah. What about the three drop uh, balls that went through all those guys' hands? Listen, man, we got to go. Yeah. Uh, J. Dot Bondi at Raymond James. Don't see you. Thank you so much, Thanks, gentlemen. Folks. Have a great week. Take care. He's a nice young man, isn't he? That Jay. Jay's a very nice fellow. Man. Oh, nice fellow. Good golfer too. You know, I, I definitely get the pressure. I, I, I said that the other day about how Tyler Bass walks out there and, you know, you're all alone. It's one of the mm-hmm. one of those positions like pitcher or whatever in, in yep. sports that you're just exposed. And yep. in typical, you know, Yahoo style, he was receiving death threats, Tyler mm-hmm. Bass, in Buffalo a few days after the game. And the Chiefs and Bills fans, in counter to that, have donated $25,000 to his charity. He has a cat rescue charity. <laughs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the charity is. He's got one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does social media, media and, and again, it's privacy, need a, like a registration? And before you can have a Facebook account or Instagram, you have to have your name, your number, your address, location. It's got to be verified before you can take part. I know it's an invasion of your privacy, but people have, that's where they've put this. Why should a man have, like he had to erase all his social media because of death threats. And, yeah. That not only affects him, it's his wife, his kids, his family, his parents. It's like, do any of those nitwits deserve to be, have a social media account? Like, or an opinion, I, you know, and, and if you're uh, sending, listen, if you're sending a kicker death threats, I mean, we're joking yeah. around now that he should have made it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, but if, you're, if, you're, if your life is sending a kicker death threats over a missed field goal, you yeah. have the problem. You need to reevaluate your situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was, no, a, it was like, inevitable. You know, that, the ability to go up through the wires and then jump out of the guy's computer that's actually writing that and just see where they are, who they are, and yeah. be able to talk to them and say, really, where do you get the balls to actually type out a death threat and hit send? Like, who the fuck are you? You know, you can like, just imagine, you know, though, some fat yeah. douchebag Fucking uh, yeah. food stains on their fat belly. Yeah. Just going, fucking going to kill you. You're going to kill. You're going to kill. Wait a minute. Yeah. You're going to kill yeah. somebody over a football mm-hmm. game. So you go to kill them. And then you go to jail for the rest yeah. of your life. And for yeah. 20 years, you have to sit there thinking this was all because he missed a field goal. That's right. And your description is great because no skinny guy would ever do that. No. Skinny guys <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I'm surprised you'd even question that. <laughs> Big fat guy with food. Food stains. Fucking cheesy fingers. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking pants undone. Because <laughs> skinny guys don't do that, man. 
Skinny guys don't do that. Nope. Skinny guys are too busy I having. Know. You know why? It's been proved. Because skinny been guys Because skinny guys are out there getting laid. <laughs> they haven't got time for death threats over a fucking field goal. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, I'm with you. You're right. <laughs> oh, uh, that's great. Okay. Hey, um, we have a guy coming up after. Uh, yes. Nine have you seen well, it? Hey? Have yes. you seen it? Yes. Okay. It's yes. the. Uh, so I got. Not sure what. I've got some more stuff to do. You've got stuff to do. So why don't we do no, that now? Are you all done? Yeah. Okay. I'm done. Well, I'm not. I still have. Uh, yes, sirree. I got to talk about mortgages here. If you'll indulge me. Okay. Because this is really all part of uh, Humble and Fred's strategy to make life better for our listeners. You know, you're talking about a financial advisor, mm-hmm. and now you're talking about uh, part of your financial, you know, interest has got to be wondering what's going to happen to your mortgage. If you're like a lot of Canadians, millions of mortgages are coming due. This is the year you might want to say, hey, let's do something different. Let's go with lender's choice mortgages. Why? Because it's not just like going to your banks, just like you do every three to five years. Mike Kazarian and the crew at Lender's Choice Mortgages have spent 20 plus years, you know, in this world. Nationally recognized sales manager, big time experience. Mike was a member of the President's Club, which recognizes the top 5% of mortgage brokers in Canada. It's more important now than ever. Having a relationship that's built on trust is essential. Mike will provide you the best advice to suit your short and long-term goals and recommend the best solution for you. You know what? Here's what uh, Kazarian is going to say. Even if that means staying with your current lender. He's got a passion for helping his clients with financing solutions that others may not be able to provide. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or purchasing your 10th investment property, now's the time to check out a different way of doing things. Lenders Mortgages. LendersMortgage.ca. Mike Zarian, one of the brokers, owners of Lenders Mortgage. Uh, Lenders Choice Mortgages. LendersChoice.ca. Independently owned and operated member of the Mortgage Alliance. License 13582. There you go. LendersChoice.ca. Dan Duran is back. Uh, Dan, we may have to uh, put you on hold because we have uh, another interview coming up here. Oh, okay. I did some research, by the way, and you know, like I like to do. Mm-hmm. Found out what kind of things happen on this day in history on your birthday. Oh. Did, did you know that the Apple Macintosh was released 40 years ago today? <sighs> was it really? Yeah. When Howard was 24. Yeah. <laughs> when was your first computer? When or what? Yeah, oh. either one of you. Mine was 1995, one that you gave me. Dan, when did you have a computer for the first time? Mine was about 92. It's one of those big beige, you know, things. <laughs> I, I liked it when you went online. Mine, Remember the noise that you used oh, to Oh, yeah. The dial-up. I, mine was 1989. Yeah. I had a laptop that the radio station let me take home. But it was basically wow. just like a fancy digital typewriter. Like you couldn't get anything on it. Oh, it was huge back in that in that day. They were like really, really thick, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what, Howard? Actually, my first computer, I think it was 
1988 Olympics, there was some... That was Calgary, right? Yes. I can't remember. Yeah. Yes. Some company gave sportscasters in Toronto, we all got... It was just like DOS and very primitive. Yeah. It was a, a computer, a laptop, big, heavy, now that I think of it. Uh, Dan, what mm-hmm. else? Uh, let me get some uh, here. What else happened on this day? Uh, in 1935, the first canned beer was produced. Okay. That was a big milestone. And there's a lot of people had birthdays. Howard on. was 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, interesting birthdays. Ernest Borgnine was born on this day. <laughs> By the way, Ernest. Speak, hey, speaking of speaking of old jokes, um, yeah, <laughs> I have. Here's one from because we always say that Dan's the oldest. Uh, this is I have a, yeah. a copy of Dan's first uh, broadcast as a as an announcer. Okay, <laughs> that's how Dan first began broadcasting. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, please continue. Oh, I, I, I know right. what that said. That I'm Dan Duran, <laughs> and I see something shiny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh, freaking Dan. My, my dick is big. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger than yours. <laughs> okay, Dan, please continue uh, on okay, this so yeah, day. Okay, so we Oral Roberts, uh, the American televangelist. We got John Belushi. Um, and in the, this, the world of singers, there's a few uh, birthdays that uh, celebrate your your day as well. It's uh, Ray Stevens, Neil Diamond, and Warren Zevon. Oh, cool. Warren Zevon, one of my favorites. Mm. What was Ray Stevens' big uh, novelty song? Um, lots of them. Uh, the Freak, uh, Streak, I mean, oh, right. Streak. Oh, yeah, uh, maybe that, yeah. I think that, that was it. Of, yeah. <laughs> Who was the evangelical you were talking about? Oral, Oral Roberts. Roberts. Oh, that crook. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. Fucking Oral. Fucking thief. Give, yeah. Fucking give me Oral Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Slimeball. So anyway. uh, I'm just, we're, the, uh, the interview, Ashlyn Evans is supposed to be with us. Uh, do, 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 uh, well, while, I, while we're waiting, yeah. If you if you want, I I I did want to pipe in a little bit about Barbie the film. Yes, the please pipe in. Came out, pipe in. Yeah, it was really weird because you know whenever a, a, a film is nominated for best picture, it kind of right. it kind of goes along with the fact that there had to have been a great director behind it. No, I saw that. So how can a film that's nominated, and this has come out before, but how can a film that's been nominated for Best Picture, which is basically put together by the director, yeah. not get a director nod? Mm. And, and, so, and the, pers- the person who produced uh, Barbie really pushed, the, pushed to make it happen. And by the way, Barbie... Has grossed $1.44 billion. Yeah. It's the highest grossing film of 2023. The 14th highest grossing film of all time at this point. Should I watch it? Yes. I have access to it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, Because um, it just seems odd to me that that movie would get all those accolades. But then again, look at that movie from last year. Jesus Christ. No, I, I, say, you, I say you like it because it's not what you expect. And there's some great actors in it, and it's really well done. Right. And the woman who directed it, to your point, Dan, there's 10 nominations for Best Picture and only five for Best Directing. So she wasn't alone in the fact that mm. a, a Best Film nomination didn't get Best Director, but a lot of people feel like she should have. 
Killers mm-hmm. of the Flower Moon, which I'm not going to watch. It's three and a half hours long. I don't have that much time left in my life. He, um, <laughs> but he did. He did get the. He was one of the five films nominated that got best directing. But Freddie, here's what I would predict. You'll be surprised how much you like Barbie. Like it's just okay. well done. Because I remember I was skeptical with, was it La La Land? Remember that? Yes. I said, ah, great that's movie. not going to do it for me. And I watched it and I loved it. Yeah, great movie. And yeah. uh, what's her face? Margot Robbie is great in it. Ryan Gosling's great. But the, but the, mm-hmm. the, the, the film is great. It's not, I, I went, I can't remember. I must have gone with one of the kids. I can't remember who I went with. No, mm-hmm. I know I went. I went with uh, Julietta last summer when she was here. And oh. I, I was surprised how much I liked it, how well it was, how it deserves a best movie thing whatever that is you'll like it off the beaten path and again not to put you on the spot but when the emmys were on um this thing beef won a lot of awards yeah i've never seen it and i just checked in for a minute and i thought what what is this what is it and it reminded me of that movie last year that won best picture which i thought was Insulting to the industry, you know the everything, uh, everywhere. All, oh yes, a beef yeah. with uh, what's her face, Ali Wong. I yeah, I watched a couple episodes, couldn't get into it. So no, it's, and it's, I'm just like sometimes these people just want to make statements or something. And I thought all the quality television, where you know good stories you can follow, you know Ted Lasso and on and on, The Bear and all this and beef. Come on, like seriously, come on. What are you doing? Uh, I watched uh, but, four, I watched three or four episodes. Here's the reason it got so. Uh, first of all, it's not for everybody, but Ellie Wong is no. really really good. Um, Ellie Wong is very very good, and um, by the way, I just got a note. You just said that twice. I know because I'm reading a note from our producer, Toronto Michael Boone, who says oh, the okay. the the interview that was scheduled for today is now going to be with us tomorrow. Okay. Oh, that means more Dan Duran. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Are you still paying attention, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> Trying mm. really hard because of yesterday. So yeah, stay with I know us, it's Dan. late in the show. Stay this is with the time us. that things can go off for me. So I'm really focusing right now. But how much of the criteria with these things are? I don't, I don't want to say mass appeal, but taking into consideration that it titillated the most people. And I guess you could argue a lot of garbage rises to the top, like in American television. But I, I just, you know, that everything, everywhere movie, I tried. I tried. I did. I liked it. And you liked it? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did? Wow. Yeah, I liked it. I, I ended up, because here's the thing. I tried that movie for 10 minutes, hated it. Right. Uh, and I stopped. I literally stopped watching it, and then mm-hmm. a while later, I was talking to Rachel Ann Hilton, XGFR, mm-hmm. who I'm still very close with, and she recommended it. She said, "I'm." I said, "I told her I tried for ten minutes." Mm-hmm. She goes, "No, stay with it." And Jamie Lee Curtis is in it, and it's. I ended up liking it. Well, I was about forty, and and that's great that you liked it. I'm just my thing is the best picture when you think. Of some of the movies that it was up against. But again, who am I? I don't know what these people are thinking, the criteria. And again, it's all very subjective. But uh, the other day I put that beef on for a while and I'm thinking, what? (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. I got no beef with beef, really. But I'm just saying beef... You know, didn't cut it. For yeah, me. <laughs> didn't that didn't fill up your TV watching sandwich? 
No. I think under different circumstances, under different circumstances, I could have gotten into beef because I liked, I, I watched a, a few episodes. I just wasn't in the mood. I, but I can see it's not, it's not for everybody, but the people that liked no. it really, really liked it. Well, um, you know me. I don't like to work very hard no, at what I, I watch. I know. I don't. I, know, buddy. I, I know. just don't, I and know. I admit it. Um, so tomorrow, uh, Ashley uh, Ashling Evans will be with us. Also, I just was reminded that we've rescheduled Brad Jones from Ridley Funeral Home for tomorrow. It's going to be a, for a, a show we don't normally have guests on. It's going to be a very busy show. And then we've got a real treat for everybody next week when we start uh, our remote broadcasting. Uh, I go away first. I'll be in Mexico. And then the following week, the Fred man, it's going to be hightailing it to the Dominican. But next week, we've got a real treat. I'm not sure what day we're going to do this, but we will have uh, SCTV's Dave Thomas with us next week. Oh, great. Does that meet your approval, Dan Duran? It does. Yeah, I met him. He directed me in a movie once. There was a... Really? In a movie called Ghost Mom that he uh, he directed. Wow. Well, he's been bugging us to get on the show for a long time. We thought, finally, okay, Dave, you can come on. That's right. We were like, enough already, okay? We get it. You love Only 20 minutes. We we love Humble and Fred. Who doesn't? We all do. Dan, um, should I ask you what your role in Ghost Mom was? I was a, I believe I was a game show, uh, a game show host in that, that particular one. Nice. Yeah. And I, I had to freeze. Not. I'm sorry? I had to freeze. You know, it was a movie ghost mom thing. So I had to freeze. I had to stand there frozen for a while. Was much, that hard? <laughs> I was yeah, say, much hard. like, much like you do on our show from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> so could you be a, yeah. like one of those guys like, you know, that. You know, paints himself silver and stands on street corners in New Orleans and doesn't move. What do you even call them? <laughs> yeah, no, I could not do that. Could you do that? I could no. do that. <laughs> yeah, but we're not we're not trained actors like you are. No, well, that's not a trained actor thing. That's you know, that's you know, sort of, given work work out or something. Listen, to do given that. your uh, time at Juilliard and the Strasbourg, all that stuff. I right. mean, all the training that has gone into your career. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, I think I guess Juilliard is looking forward to your arrival in Mexico. Hey, Howard. Uh, yes, that's her name, Juilliard. Mm-hmm. Fucking idiot. <laughs> hey, I was asked. I was asked by the theater guild to uh, to uh, uh, appear in a play reading, and it's about uh, a hockey dressing room. It's in. A, it's set in a hockey dressing room, so I would be a hockey player. Yeah. Okay, and you're going to do it, and we're coming. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Um, do, who so does? I, I haven't said yes yet. I've got to read. I just got the script yesterday. I'm going to read it. You should do it. Do it. He'll be calling me Fred. What is a stick? <laughs> That's right. Oh, yeah. well, Fred, yeah. I've never been in the Help dressing room of a hockey. What's what's that? What Pardon? happens on there? Uh, do you read the oh. land uh, acknowledgments uh, before every play? Is there, is there like a, is there a uh, voice? We, we have a very short version of one that's in our. It's a recording that plays before. The do, is it you reading it though? Yeah. Maybe we should get Dan to read that for us before every show. Just the, the we acknowledge that the land that Howard and Fred and I are on. Oh, really? You're doing that at the at the theater? Everybody, you have to do it everywhere. You have to do it everywhere. Yeah, all theaters do. Well, all when you say have to, I mean you're sort of if everybody else is doing it, we got to do it now. Yeah, type thing. Everybody's going to do it. Kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, I think there was an agreement by you know some sort of theater central yeah. kind of thing, and so they all do do it. Yeah. Seems so hollow and shallow and 
to me. But anyway. Well, because the people you're acknowledging, there's nobody. There's nobody in that theater. Well, that yeah. is being acknowledged. Yeah. And after all we did to you, how's this? <laughs> that's right. We did all those things to you. How's this? We're we'll about, acknowledge you. How's before is our play? That's right. We're about to put on a Jew musical, but we want, we want you guys to know before we start singing about uh, other people that were expelled from a land. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Dan, you take that part. You get us tickets. We come up and have dinner in that Spanish restaurant. What's it called? Oh, uh, what's that? What's that Spanish restaurant? Do you remember? That's my sister. With the talking to my sister. Ran. With the paella. All right. Paella. Yeah. What's it called? I can't remember. Magic door or something like that. I can't remember. Okay. Well, this is oh, magic pan. Okay. <laughs> this is riveting, but we still have the Dan Duran news to get to. That's where we're at. Right. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan the Anchorman comes As for credentials he has none Can't tell a headline from his bum But his voice is nice and low Dan Duran, the Anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from the matrimonial home Of Mr. and Mrs. Duran where soon, lovely Mrs. Duran will be baking fresh bread for Dan Duran's post-show Toasties. Here's movie anchor and star of Ghost Mom, Dan Duran. Bolts and fart bombs. You know, after that Alaska jet blew out the door plug, that it grounded all 737 MAX 9 planes. The CEO of Alaska, Alaska Airlines uh, said in-house inspections of the carrier's MAX 9 planes, and apparently they have the most of all the carriers uh, of, of the MAX 9, revealed that many of the aircraft had to have loose bolts. Loose bolts on the plane. Yeah, anyway. scary. That while they're scary. tightening, while they're tightening the bolts, they're around their own kinds you, you of think, Yeah, you think that that would be pretty much standard that the bolts for that door plug would have been checked. Mm-hmm. Somewhere along the line of the checklist, which airlines are big on, yes. you think that the the manufacturer <laughs> would go like, <laughs> "Did we tighten the bolts?" That yes. would be a check. Let's look mark. at those bolts. By yeah. the way, it's more I than one. Did they, so? Uh, uh, you know, there's a system problem there, right? Did they? Uh, are they? Did they? Let me just ask this, Dan. Did they re? They put the are the grounded planes back in action now. No, really. No, I think they have to get approval from uh, the FAA or whatever governing body to make sure that everything is cool. All right, cool. So Alaska Airlines is is rescheduling and having all kinds of delays with flights because they. I, I think they're most of their fleets grounded. So anyway. Those stories are unsettling, but again, so few and far between, you can't let them bother you. When, right. No, we I didn't. We, we flew from Dublin to Liverpool. Literally, the plane, I forget the name of the the airline over there. It's quite popular, but it was like a school bus that flew in the air. Like, it was unbelievable. What do you mean when a school bus? Like, I, was it like painted yellow and there was no uh, seatbelts? Well, no, but inside, <laughs> the, like, the seats were just really like a school bus. Like, it was unbelievable. And it was full of all students and, you know, backpackers and everything. It was like, I got on it and I thought, 
I don't feel that good about this, but at the same time, I'm thinking they do. These shuttles go every day, like uh, several a day, all year round, and nothing ever happens. You'll yeah, be okay, Freddie. It was like a school <laughs> bus the where, where the people were slide down. <laughs> Sorry, they could have. <laughs> um. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, we got to fix this because it's it's now driving me crazy. There's too much of a what? delay. There's a giant delay on this, I can tell you right now. Um, okay, Dan, what about the other uh, story on airplanes? Oh, yeah, well, they were tightening bolts. Uh, there was a guy with a screw loose on an American Airlines flight uh, that started a fart storm. Mm. <laughs> And that put them back to the gate. An air, uh, the passenger reportedly passed gas loudly and bragged about it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> somebody wrote about it saying an audible, uh, he was maybe hungover. He was dis- audibly disgruntled and exclaimed, you thought that was rude. How about this smell? And proceeded to loudly pass gas. I like that guy. A bit later, you say, yeah, everybody, it's just the smelly. Let's all let's just eat the smelliest food possible all at the same time as uh, pretending not to uh, uh, have just farted again and covering up another gaseous expulsion. Yeah, you say you like this guy, but not if you were on the plane that had to get turned around and go back to the gate while fart man. Mm -hmm. So he got kicked off the plane. Yeah, so, in, in a, you know, they started arguing, and there was some sort of shuffle that ensued, and uh, Fartman was, uh, was ejected at the gate. They went back to the gate, pushed him <laughs> off. The flight was delayed 10 to 15 minutes, and they, uh, they were all fine. All the passengers were quite happy to not have the guy on board. I often thought that, you know, you can, uh, uh, Dougie the dog, you know, a dog that size you can actually take into the uh, into the plane with you and yeah. Jesus Christ some of the stuff he lets go it would be embarrassing in the early years of Stan it's, he doesn't do it anymore but there were the first couple oh. and I think the, uh, um, French Bulldogs are similar to Boston Terriers in that they're yeah. very gaseous early on mm-hmm. they're like kids until their stomach fully but but the first couple of years of Stan he'd clear he would easily clear the room we'd all have to leave the oh. room that's what Dougie's like. It's Christ, and that would break through in a in a, in a plane, Ugh. and then everybody be looking at you. Hmm. <laughs> and how do you? It's this something guy, else. How does this guy it, feel? He leaves the airplane and he talks uh, to his family. Where I thought you were flying to so and so. He says, "No, I farted on the plane. I got kicked off." Yeah. Really, really, Dad. Really, <laughs> how proud you must be. Hmm. Okay. All right then. I think we covered and a everything. Good fart story, you know. You know, people accuse us of too many shit stories. Well, fart story there. We've you know we're, we threw yeah, a curve at you. <laughs> That's right. We're we're mixing it up. Shits we're and farts. Mixing her up. Shits mm-hmm. and farts. Mm-hmm. That's us. That's us mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Tony Clement and uh, for all your well wishes, gentlemen. Uh, people always ask, what are you going to do for your birthday? Like, you're gonna, I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to uh, have lunch with my buddy who's also got his birthday today. He's a golf buddy of mine. And then tonight. Really? Yeah. My buddy Paul. And then tonight, uh, because both of my children are out of town, I'll be having uh, dinner with their mother. So I'll be celebrating my birthday with uh, ex-wife Randy. Where? Some cool downtown place, you know. 
Have you picked it already, or just well, we got oh, a couple options? Cool. Yeah, got a couple of cool places yeah. to go. I'm gonna, you know, where I, we I want to go to. Uh, I've taken her to that place. Maybe not Dan, but Freddie and I. I took her to that place called Fresh. It's got all kinds of fancy, cool vegetarian style food. Oh, really? Yeah, you and I and Eileen went there. Yep, years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, Did I like cool. it. Yeah, yeah, I think you liked it. You know, may, I think it gave you some gas, but you know, that could be anywhere. I had those cauliflower chicken wings, right? Mm, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that. And then uh, tomorrow we uh, wrap things up for the week with our emails. And uh, as always, to say so long, farewell. Yes? I was just going to say, I mentioned it, and I should, you know, I mentioned that Spanish restaurant in Peterborough. It's called Fresh Dreams. Howard, you would love it. They have, like, paella and all sorts of other Spanish dishes. We'll go there the night that Dan... You know, opening night of the in play rating, the hockey player, whatever this shit. Dan Duran, yeah. hockey man. <laughs> I think Dan Duran would be so intimidated by having us in the audience. I don't know if well, he'd be I, able to make it. I've seen a performance. I've seen him do a reading. Before. No, he does things. Yeah. Um, well, now the, I'm glad you paused the ending of the show because I do want to acknowledge these fine sponsors. Feeling stuck on the sidelines? Hey, watch where you're walking, man. When life gives you too much to tackle... I'm going to need that draft tomorrow. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Get the latest sports odds and free tips to help you go all the way this football season. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. No, sorry. One more, one more thing. No, just one more point. You know, we started the show by talking about how fast time goes. You know, it just whips by. Go to a play reading in Peterborough. Life really, really want, If you want to feel like your okay. life is endless. <laughs> you just imagine opening night. But it's night. still our boy up there, so you right. watch it. <laughs> you can imagine opening night. Dan Duran comes on stage, and ten minutes later, you and I are slumped against each other, snoring. <laughs> Dan Duran. All right, everybody. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Boron One, Bodog, Kelsey's, and our newest sponsor, Lender's Choice Mortgages. We read all of our emails, Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Tell us what you're think, thinking and uh, the email shows tomorrow. And here's something you, do, you can do to help us out. Subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, keep asking the question, will you still need me? Will you still feed me? We say, of course, and enjoy every goddamn day. The jigsaw jazz and the get fresh flow. Pulling out Jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands. Where's that?